Hello and welcome to Yubcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name's Jamie, and I told you that was a bad idea. And my name is Matt, and balance is found in the one who faces his guilt. Oh, cool. Is that uh, from uh, Clone Wars? Like one of the scenes? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's from Mortis, the Mortis arc, and I have a reason I used it for tonight. Cool. So today we'll be going over uh, episode four of The Bad Batch, which aired today, today being May 21st. But first, Matt, did you do anything Star Wars-y over the week? Under pretty late late Star Wars week. I, I watched part of The Last Jedi just because I wanted to check something and ended up watching about 40 minutes of it because I really like that movie. Um, I've been slowly catching up on the comics, but mostly just been researching my R2 build, trying to get the new pieces, find the new pieces for it. Pretty light week for me. Have you done any Star Wars this week? You know, surprisingly, no. Other than just, just talking with you about it, I've it's been pretty light. I don't think any new comics came out between the last time we recorded. So, and I try to stay away from any uh, clickbait articles because, for me, it's just like, why am I reading this? I already know this, or this is bullshit. Yeah, yeah. It's either it's either bullshit or it's stupid. I guess the there's a it's middle of May or toward the end end of May, like you said, it's May twenty first today, which is the air date of the episode we're reviewing. Um, and so today is the 41st anniversary of the release of Empire. Oh, yeah. Um, so happy happy birthday, Empire Strikes Back. So that's something. So we've been posting a lot of anniversary stuff uh, on our social media at Yubcast, because it's Phantom Menace and Revenge of the Sith just had their anniversary the other day, and Empire today, and then in a couple days, Monday, I think, it's a Star Wars, the 1977 movie, and it's Solo, and something else. I can't remember. Attack of the Clones, maybe? No, Attack of the Clones already happened. One of the other movies. All, May 25th is actual Star Wars Day, but May 4th is fun, too. Man, I got nothing to really say. I mean, there's not, not, you know, nothing really going on other than the Bad Batch. Yeah, it's the it's sort of a desert. There's no new books coming out right now. We're all caught up on the novels. Comics come on a cadence, but but we don't we haven't been talking much about the comics. Today's episode was directed by Saul Ruiz, and he's mostly known in Star Wars for directing on Rebels. He did a bunch of different episodes of Rebels, um, including the episode Shroud of Darkness, and that's the episode where Ahsoka finds out that Vader is Anakin. So he's he yeah, did about 12 episodes of Rebels, I think. Yeah, that was, that was one of my favorite ones. That's where they they, they go to the temple on uh, Lothal, right? Right. And uh, that's where Kanan is knighted. Right. I think, yes, that is the, that is the correct episode. Um, so, there, so he did a bunch of those. Um, and then the writer of this episode is Christian Taylor. And Christian is a big-time Clone Wars writer. He did a bunch of Clone Wars episodes, including the Mortis arc. He has a writer's credit on that. And the Yoda journey, where Yoda ends up on Mortabon or Korriban. I can't remember what they call it in the cartoon. It's Mortabon. In the cartoon? Uh, yes. All right. It's Korriban and KOTOR? Yeah. All right. So Christian wrote those arcs. And so, once again, we got some really good Star Wars pedigree 
for going into this episode. I'm not going to give away what I thought about this episode, but we should probably just get right into the plot summary. Starts off normal. The Bad Batch um, way it has been. Um, they're looking for a place to kind of put down, lay low a little bit, uh, repair the ship. Hunter wants to hide out on an abandoned planet called uh, Idaflor. Is that is that correct? Idaflor? Idaflor, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, Tech says that they need fuel and rations, uh, so they head to uh, Pantora. They also find out that there is also now a price on their head. People are looking for their ship. They need to put the ship down to get the supplies, and then uh, Tech uh, is pretty confident he can scramble their identification. And Omega is excited because they... She's been stuck on Camino all her life, so she, you know, she really wants to just, like, explore. The Bad Batch land on Pantora in the shipyard. A, uh... <clears throat> Kind of an ugly Solson comes out. Uh, apparently his name is Raspar6 uh, to meet them and ask them if they need anything. They say minor repairs. He tries to register the ship, but Tech and Wrecker bribe him not to scan the ship, which is actually funny because they, you know, they don't know how to bribe. And he's trying to get, he's trying to give the hint like, yeah, I could do this for you without, you know, really making the uh, the money symbol by rubbing fingers together. And they're like, oh. Right. Oh, yeah. So it kind of shows that they're they're not used to uh, uh, how things work on the uh, the outside the military. Yeah, it really establishes them as sort of dangerously naive in the ways of the world, especially a, a corrupt world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, once he's uh, once he's bribed, he immediately reports uh, the ship that is docked in a spaceport to a bounty hunter, uh, Fennec Shan, which is uh, pretty cool. Uh, Fennec Shan is uh, voiced by uh, Ming-Nan Wen from the Mandalorian, so uh, we knew that she was going to show up uh, because of the trailers, but it was nice that she finally, we finally get to see her. She has a hologram of Omega and that she's on her way and not to let the ship leave Pantora. It was the hologram that she had of Omega. Did it remind you of the bounty pucks that they they had in the Mandalorian at all? I couldn't tell. They don't have a good shot of it. Um, but I was curious if that's what you thought it was. You know what? It never. It didn't even occur to me. But now that you mention it, yeah. It seems like it was about the same size, and it was serving a similar purpose, so, so she could identify her target. It's pre-chain code, or I guess it's right now everybody's getting their chain codes, and so it wouldn't be the exact same thing, but it could be the same thing. And like I said, there was not a good shot of it, so I couldn't tell if it was the same shape and mm-hmm. design. But, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. They're pretty cool about uh, doing sort of keeping stuff like that, um, you know, somewhat consistent. Other things, not so much, but not going to complain too much. All right, so, all right, so anyway, so uh, back to the show. Hunter, and, Hunter, Echo, and Omega head into town to sell some materials and get some credits. Hunter is just kind of dressed in some green garb and... Echo looks, I guess he kind of looks like a weird bounty hunter or a droid. He ends up actually getting mistaken for a droid, and when they can't sell any of their uh, explosives, the, um, uh, what, what kind of, the, was it a Gron? The Grons are kind of like the, they've got the three yeah. eyes. Yeah, yeah. Gron is the three-eyed goat-looking yeah. alien. So the Gron who's, I, I guess you would say, uh, a runs a pawn shop, you know, he he won't buy any of their explos- explosives because he doesn't deal in the black market stuff, but he offers to buy Hunter's droid, the droid being Echo. You know, they decide to s- they they decide to sell Echo as as a droid so they can get uh, a d- decent amount of money 
and then Echo can just escape when the uh, time comes. This is their plan. They're just going to rob this guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so their their plan to get money went from we're going to sell an explosive, which they find out is illegal. At least that's what the Gron tells them that he runs a reputable business and he won't buy a bomb from them. They sell him a droid. That's not a droid with the plan to rip him off later. Yeah. Right. And so they, they just like straight up rob this guy of like 3,000 credits. It's it's pretty shitty thing to do. Yeah. But I, but since we're a cartoon podcast, I have to do this. There's a lot of disguise in Star Wars. People dressing up like someone they're not, right? From mm-hmm. Leia being Boosh and Kanan being a stormtrooper, Luke being a stormtrooper, right? Can you think of another instance when someone dressed up like a droid? Yes, in the in that awful book, The Adventures of Luke Skywalker, Luke Skywalker dressed up like a droid to rescue R2-D2. That is a very good pull, but we're a cartoon podcast. <laughs> and Mungo Baobad did it. He dressed up as a droid to he get did. on Admiral Scree's ship. And that's how he steals Scree's ship. And remember, his costume falls off. Oh, talk- yeah. Oh, we're talking man. about... The Droids show, by the way, everybody, from 1985, or the first series that we reviewed on this podcast. Go check them out. <laughs> yeah, go back and listen to those recordings. Or don't. Um, so I do, I do want to back up a little bit, because you, you sort of skipped ahead to the the pawn shop, or mm-hmm. wherever the hell that grand worked, and you skipped over the parade. There's a parade with, um, uh, you know, clone troopers, and everybody's, you know, everybody's all happy, you know, because... The war is over, you know. It's not really. And there's a uh, chain code post where uh, Admiral Rampart's hologram is telling them they they can trade in their new uh, Doge coins for Bitcoin. You know what I mean? They can exchange everything for Imperial credits, which I was thinking, and I wonder if you were thinking it too, that like they're probably gonna get bent over the barrel as far as uh, like you know, citizens and the exchange rate with Imperial credits, or maybe not quite yet. It's a great way to control people, right? Because it looks magnanimous to switch out your Reich marks for Deutsch marks, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, or I guess in this case that backward, right? Your Deutsch marks for Reich marks. It's a really easy way to control people, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's that's the obvious play here, is that this is just to get everybody on the same system and they get to register everyone when they do it. I was actually surprised with how short that hologram was because you can hear it replaying over and over and over again in the background. Yeah. It's like two sentences long. Come get a chain code. Get new credits from the generosity of the Empire. Come get a chain code. Get new credits from the generosity of the Empire. That's not exactly the quote, but that's roughly what it's saying. The other thing that I really like, since they're on Pantora, there's a bunch of different species, but there's a lot of blue-skinned aliens in the crowd, Mm -hmm. which are the native Pantorans. So I really like really like that setting yeah i didn't notice it at first and then like as the show went on i was like oh oh yeah 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 let's see they uh pretty much sell echo into false slavery to uh, rip off that uh grand shopkeeper now uh while hunter is making this deal with the shopkeeper omega sees a vorpack outside and goes to pet it kind of looks like a big pug i guess that's that's what i think when i see it the, the four-pack grabs her clone doll, and she runs off chasing the animal in a cart. Hunter turns around, and Omega is gone. And she's chasing the cart through the street, trips and falls, and is almost hit by a speeder, and then Fennec Shan offers to help her and help her find her friends, and Omega willingly goes with Fennec. I'll save for what I think about the podcast 
or what I think about the podcast. It's great. No, what I think about this episode until the end, but I was not thrilled with this. Granted, granted, you know, I've, any parent has been like, you know, like turn your back for a little bit and all of a sudden they're just gone. But this just seems like, is, is this going to be a common theme? So I, well, I'm we're in episode, we're in episode four and it's happened in three episodes. So, yeah. she, so she almost got eaten by the Lexu when they just turned their back for a second. <coughs> Nexu. <coughs> what did I say? Lexu? Isn't it Nexu? Yeah, you're right. It's Nexu. Sorry. That's um, okay. Just, that's oh, I'm fun. editing it. I'll, I'll leave it in. I don't care. <laughs> people, can, people can know I get my beasts confused. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, you can edit it to a change to where I screw it up, and then you and you, uh, you correct me. Yeah, that'll be it. So she almost gets eaten in the cut-and-run episode, and then in the next episode, or is it later in that episode, where she disappears out of the ship. That's the same episode, right? Yes. Where Tech and Tech and Echo are supposed to be watching her when they're doing their Trojan horse thing, and she just disappears on them again. And then she does it in this episode, where she just runs off, right? It's like, someone needs to sit her down and have like the stranger danger oh, yeah. conversation with her and say, like, stop walking off. Yeah, and she did do it in the previous episode, when Hunter kind of got knocked unconscious, she just kind of went off. Instead of staying with him, she just went off. That's right. She went and faced the Order Moon Dragon by herself. Yeah, this is this is her plot. Can't yeah. keep can't keep a precocious kid like her down, right? Uh, do you uh, reference droids again? This is going to be C three PO falling on his butt because that happened pretty much every episode of Droids. Man, we we got to redo Droids. We got to redo the whole thing. No. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll talk. We'll talk about what, what parts of droids we're going to redo later. All right, so let's go back to Echo Droid. He's put in the back room of the pawn shop with some other droids, and a protocol droid named CG67 sees Echo without his mask because he opens it up to breathe, presumably, and because he has rights. <laughs> uh, and and the protocol droid threatens to turn him in as not a droid. Echo very coolly threatens to kill every droid in the room. And then they all agree to not turn him in after the threat of death. Mm-hmm. There are three other droids other than the protocol droid, one named 225 and DK3. Those are both just standard R-series astromech droids. And then one called Clink. Clink is an LE-series robot or droid that sort of looks like Robbie the Robot, but much, much smaller. He's got, like, accordion legs and arms. I actually liked the design because of, like, in the Mandalorian, we saw a, an astromech that had arms and legs, and so it's it seems like yeah, so it's like it looks like a um, just like a, a regular astromech that instead of wheels like R two or sorry legs, they just put arms and then just put little tiny feet on the bottom. So it just seems like astromechs are very the body is universal, then you can just plug in whatever. And supposedly uh, L three from uh, Solo was originally an astromech that redesigned itself uh giving uh giving itself uh, arms and legs that's pretty cool since we stopped to talk about um clink i i want to go back a little bit to the vorpak um because the vorpak is an animal from resistance tv series resistance which we have not talked about on this show but we will and it is the preferred it is the pet of tora doza the daughter of the Colossus administrator, and so it has a lot of plots surrounding oh, like having man. to take that animal out to go pee and things like that. Yeah, I haven't finished it 
I haven't finished Resistance because my son caught me watching it and was like, I thought we were going to watch it together and gave me a big guilt trip. So it's just like, all right, fine. So the other tie into Resistance in this episode is the LE series droid because there's an LE series droid on Resistance. It's in almost every episode based on Wikipedia and it's LE12 uh, is the name of the one on the Resistance. And that's the first appearance of the LE series droid. Um, once again, with the accordion arms and legs and like the little danger Will, Rob- Will Robinson clamps at the end of his hands. So, mm-hmm. That's... so this this episode, a big love letter to Resistance, which was a little interesting because I don't think either of the writer or the director worked on Resistance at all, but I like tie-ins, so I'm pretty yeah. happy. All right, back to the plot. Sorry for the long detour. As Jamie said, Omega went with Fennec. And now Hunter is tracking Omega. He's using his skills. Finnick and Omega are just wandering around, and Finnick is having little conversations with her to keep her calm. She's Omega's still pretty happy to be with Finnick. And then Finnick steals some fruit for Omega because she's hungry. Omega isn't 100% comfortable with this, but Finnick says you don't always have to play by the rules. Omega offers that Finnick should actually go with them, meaning Omega and the Bad Batch, in the Marauder, um, since she's all alone. Finnick says that that sounds like a really good idea. During this conversation, Hunter catches up with them. Hunter isn't an idiot. He understands what's going on, and he asks Omega to step away from Finnick. Omega's confused, and then Finnick tries to shoot Hunter. Yeah. Do you notice how she, like, positioned Omega in front of her? Or she, or she, or she at least positioned herself behind so that uh, she could use Omega as a shield? Well, yeah, she probably just figured that Hunter wouldn't shoot or try anything with Omega in the way, mm-hmm. right? So it's smart from her point of view. She she obviously needs Omega alive as well, but it's an extra step for Hunter. Um, so Fennec shoots. Omega's confused. Omega sort of tries to grab the gun, but doesn't do a great job. And then Hunter and Fennec fight. Omega just peels out of there. And this is this is what this episode should have been called. It should have been called Omega Runs Away. Because this is just something that she does at least three more times in this episode. So she runs away. Finnick and Hunter are fighting and she knocks him out. Really knocks him unconscious. The police are coming or some sort of constable is coming. So she runs away after Omega. Back at the ship, Wrecker and Tech are still dismantling it, and they find the little ship ident, and Tech starts to reprogram it. Hunter comes to and says over the radio that Omega is lost and that a woman is after them. Wrecker runs off to help find Omega. Tech says the ship needs to be put back together. So Echo gets his new, I don't know, captive audience of droids to come with him to help repair the ship. He removes the restraining bolts, and they walk out the front of the shop with the Grand yelling at them. Yeah, I, I felt I felt a little uncomfortable for this guy. This this guy did nothing wrong, and the bad batch are just completely rolling him, rolling <laughs> him over, you know. But yeah, I guess desperate times. Like he, when he complains, Echo just says, "Well, you got me for a bargain." So because <laughs> I, I guess he's racist against cyborgs, so that's okay. To, it's okay to rip him off because he called Echo a droid. <laughs> yeah, because he can tell the difference. Yeah. So now Omega's running through the market, and Finnick is close behind. Omega goes sort of down through a manhole sort of thing into the sewer maintenance tunnels. And Tech is back on the ship, scrubbing the security footage from the city to try to figure out where Omega and Finnick are. Wrecker finds Omega in the tunnels after Tech 
says that's where she is, and they start to leave when Finnick shows up. Wrecker, being a big dumb animal, turns and says he's going to fight Finnick and tells Omega to run back to the ship. Um, he goes over to Finnick to fight her, and she knocks him out in about two seconds. <laughs> yeah, she does this. She does this wonderful like judo sort of style, right? Using his speed and size against him, and he like goes in to punch her, and he she gives him another traumatic brain injury, right? So <laughs> we should probably keep a concussion count on Hunter at this point. Yeah. So Omega runs off again, but this time she's going up instead of down, and she climbs up these ladders and gets to the top of a tower. And this is a maintenance tower. Um, the pack of droids led by Echo arrive at the ship, and they're starting to reassemble it. Omega is up on top of this tower, and she slips and falls off the platform. Um, now she's hanging from the tower in a skyway, so there's all these speeders and hovering cars flying by. So Tech tells Hunter that Omega's hanging from this tower, and Hunter steals a speeder to go get her. Omega falls, and as she falls, Finnick reaches down and grabs her. But Finnick sees Hunter coming, so she drops Omega onto what I would guess is like the equivalent of a dump truck, carrying a bunch of cargo, and then Finnick jumps down onto the truck as well. Mm -hmm. Wrecker comes back to the land of the living, humiliated, but in the maintenance tunnel, and he's told by Tech just to come back to the ship, right, because Hunter's going after Omega. So Finnick and Omega are in the back of this dump truck, and Hunter is on the speeder in hot pursuit. Finnick is shooting at Hunter, just so everybody knows, this is basically the chase scene from Attack of the Clones. It's very, very intense, very hard to follow unless you're not watching it very closely. You know what also made me think of? What's that? Diamond stars of cosmic light, quasars shine through endless night. Where um, Rick and Morty are trying to get fart away and just every one thing crashes into another. Right. Uh, and just humongous explosions everywhere. It's like tons of people dying. Yeah, it's a there's a lot of collateral damage in this. Yeah, in like this chase. Yeah, it reminded me of like um how like in Terminator where he's just like get out, you know, a guy either jumps out of the uh a uh, big rig. Yeah, the the semi, yeah. Mm -hmm. So this is a very complicated chase scene. I watched this thing three or four times just to make sure I got it all, but I don't think I'm going to explain it all in our format because it's not very exciting. Yeah. Um what you have to understand is they're constantly trying to get to Omega and they're blocking each other. Because Omega eventually flips the switch on the dump truck and dumps all the contents out, including Finnick. And then Omega's hanging from a strap on the back of this dump truck, and they're trying... Finnick gets in another car, and Hunter's still in the speeder, and they're sort of jockeying to get to Omega to rescue her. And eventually, Hunter per, um, prevails and ends up with Omega, and Finnick ends up with the bomb that Hunter couldn't sell. And so she jumps off her stolen vehicle, and it explodes. Um, she's safe. We see her later, so we know she's safe. But then Hunter and Omega get away on the speeder. You know, one thing I thought was a, was a cool little touch? They showed the dump truck driver, and he's just some guy with, like, headphones on, just kind of just... Just kind of like uh, you know, you get you get to hear like some some Star Wars uh, uh, electronic music or Star Wars pop music, and he's just kind of just oblivious to what's going on. This is a, just a small little thing; doesn't have anything to do with the plot or anything like that. But I just thought it was just really clever. 
Yeah, I love I love that scene too. But I've often said that I would follow a garbage man around on Coruscant if they made that into a cartoon. I would watch it. Um, that alien in in the dump truck, he's a, a Pondo Baba or a walrus man alien, mm-hmm. and he's colored like the original toy was co- colored, rather than the way the actor was colored in the um, cantina scene. Yeah. So it was, it was a nice nod to the toys. Yeah, that that race is really weird because in some in some material they have two eyes and in other materials they have four eyes. So they just kind of uh, gloss over it and they're like, oh yeah, sometimes they have two eyes, sometimes they have four eyes. You know, that's just a that's just a race thing. And sometimes they have hands and sometimes they have like hooves. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of variability <laughs> in that in that alien. Yeah. So the chase is over and Finnick is lost. Um, we're back at the port. And the droids are finished repairing the ship, and Echo sends them on their way. Um, Wrecker, Hunter, and Omega all arrive at the same time, but separately, um, with Tech and Echo on the ship. The Solosten is upset because he hasn't gotten paid for ratting them out yet, and so he's screaming, don't leave, which is not really an effective strategy <laughs> to keep someone from leaving. Um, so now they're flying away. On the ship, Hunter says that Finnick must be a bounty hunter. He sort of explains to Omega the only other profession in Star Wars, how bounty hunters work. We cut back to Pantora, and Finnick is talking with the Solosten, and he thinks she's going to kill him, but she gives him some money for the tip, which I thought was a nice touch. And then Finnick pulls out a little communicator and says that Omega got away, but she'll catch up to her later. Yeah. The end. You know, they they didn't think for a minute that maybe, you know, that she's been hired because uh, four dudes ran off with a a young girl and (laughs) they're they're, they're trying to get the girl to safety. Because, you know... Yeah, we sort of gloss over the predatory part of their arc, right? Because no one wants to think that. But it is... It is strange for a bunch of hardened soldiers to be in charge of like a twelve-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. So, so there's there's something that I sort of skipped, and it is that Hunter does say that they have to figure out who's after them. They, they yeah. don't know who Fennec Shand is. That's that's obvious because at the end they're like, she must be a bounty hunter. Like no shit. And so he says we're going to figure this out. And this is there's a lot of criticism online of these Star Wars stories in general centering around like a special child being paired with a loner and having this like adoptive family feel to it. It's roughly the plot of Mandalorian. The Mandalorian gets a baby Yoda and he's a special child. Mandalorian's a loner. He has to figure out how to take care of him. It's roughly the, the plot of early rebels, right? Ezra troubled child gets paired with Kanan, who someone by definition has to be a loner, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's an archetype that they're returning to the well a lot. There's some criticism of this show because of that, but I'm I'm still on board. I'm sort of hoping the next episode is not them fixing another flat tire. They need kind of a stand-in for the audience, you know, so unless, you know, we've got some like hardcore combat vets you know, watching the show, you know, kids are going to, they're going to see themselves as Omega and kind of see it through Omega's eyes a bit. Because like, like that's, cause that's kind of like what a, how Ahsoka was, you know, you kind of, you know, she was the kid kind of growing up with it, 
you know, and so kids grew up with her, you know, so she has that kind of the child's perspective of everything. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just yeah, saying I hope they it's don't, present. Yeah, they, I hope they don't, you know, every single uh, thing they do is just, you know, there's a helpless, a helpless child or character that uh, has to be helped uh, in some way or another. What did you think of it overall? So overall, I was a little bored by the episode. I think this is probably my least favorite episode overall so far. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I like that Fennec Shand is in it. I don't know. It's like there's competing voices in in the cast, right? And I think Hunter wants to go live in the sanctuary village from the Mandalorian and just hide there forever. Or something even worse than that. And, mm-hmm. what, and what, What's worse than that? Like, we're going to that pack? planet. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're going to that planet he wanted to go to. What was it called? Ithor? I wrote it down. Yeah. Idafor. Yeah. So, he, like, Idafor and, and Wrecker's like, no one lives on Idafor. And he's like, exactly. Like, what's his plan? Like, he doesn't have a plan. And at least in the Mandalorian, they sort of had a plan. They had to kill Gideon, right? Or get away from Gideon. Or, I mean, there's. I'm, I'm on board, but this episode was not very exciting to me. Yeah. I watched it three and a half times. And the second time, I sort of fell asleep. When the Mandalorian or when other stuff comes out, I'm just like, like I'm just like, got to talk to Matt. There's so much to talk about. This was just kind of like, all right, I'm gonna go walk the dog now. It was just kind of like, all right, and I got to see Fennec because we, we knew she was coming. But it was very, I don't know, just yeah, I'm just kind of, I get you get tired of the the stopping for gas, and you know, running into a little bit of trouble. Uh, kind of episodes you know would actually they can they can do them right i mean like we talk about we we show in the filler episodes sometimes at least we have in the past with like mandalorian but they can they can do them if if there's some sort of payoff right if they're just trading water then why are we watching Mm -hmm. i guess so i'm not i'm not saying that it's it's definitely not a bad episode it's obviously referencing resistance which i like it's obviously that that chase scene is so much like Attack of the Clones. Um, it, it's great to reference. It's great to have that sort of connectivity and these themes touching each other. I think the acting is great. I really like the animation, but I just it just couldn't hold my interest. I, I wanted to do another pass and translate some of the Arabish signs on Pantora, but one, I was just running out of time because we do, we do these so fast, and two, I just didn't feel like it. I was like, I don't want to watch that again. So yeah, no, I yeah, I get it. I that you know there there's ones that you just constantly watch over and over again. I think like the bar has like been set so high for like the you know the the last four episodes of the Clone Wars. Say like the Twilight of the Apprentice uh, episodes of Rebels, to where just like there's such great ones that it's just like having these is kind of like I don't know. That's a great way to put it, right? The great way to put it is I probably won't revisit this one outside of watching with my kids in a few days. Because mm-hmm. we watch these together and we haven't watched this together yet. And so I'll, I'll definitely watch it one more time with them. But would I ever watch it again? Not unless I'm doing a series rewatch at some point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is definitely one of the ones that, you know, won't get watched unless going through and for completion unless something happens like later 
that we're just like, oh, wait, you know, and then we've got to go back. But I just don't see there was what was the, what was the thing you, the, the thing with the gun, uh, Chekhov's gun. Chekhov's gun. There yeah. wasn't really anything like that in this one, except for the very end, which kind of made me think that you know maybe you know that maybe the empire isn't going to be a you know it's going to be something in the background, but it's not really the main you know antagonist maybe it's going to be the Kaminoans trying to get echo back so that would be a great that would be a great plot right because Mm -hmm. this is what we're suffering from right now we don't know what the plot of the show is and they need to establish this quickly because it's getting tedious it's i'm not trying i'm trying not to be negative at all because I, i do enjoy the show but but i need there's a bigger plot at play like who's omega what's going on with their chips we had hunt. We had Wrecker hit his head again, right? Yeah. And I and when I watched when I rewatched the last one, the kids, I paid really close attention. He does hit his head uh, on the restraint, and he hits his head right where he's rubbing it. Mm-hmm. So so hitting his head might have activated his chip or or something, right? Yeah. What about that plot? This show doesn't advance any plot except to introduce Finnick, which I assume she's a big part of the show. Yeah, and you know, but, but we don't, we don't, we don't learn anything about Omega. We don't learn anything about what they're planning to do, other than run. We don't learn anything about about the Empire, really, except they're also on Pantora, and the exact same thing that happened on Seleucamai is happening on Pantora, but that's redundant. We don't even see Rampart or Tarkin or any Imperials, right? We see a parade of clones. That's about it, and so. Yeah. It's good universe building, but not a lot happens. This is kind of standard, seems like standard operating procedures for a lot of uh, series. Like the first couple will be like coming out of the gate strong. You'll just be like, holy crap. And then it'll just kind of drag. And then all of a sudden, you know, at the end, you know, things will start to wrap up, at least for, you know, that particular season or that particular storyline. But you're forced to kind of drudge through some stuff that's just kind of like, uh, you know, like, when are they going to get to the fireworks factory, you know? It's just, uh, uh, it's bothersome, but they can't. I'd rather have, what would they say, like, 12 or 14 episodes there's going to be? I'd rather have a larger number with, you know, a little bit of filler here and there that has little little tiny nuggets than just all compacted in, into, like, one thing. Because then at least, you know, like, got something to look forward to through the week. And more Star Wars is always good, even if it's not always littered with uh you know little nuggets of gold like like past episodes have been yeah so i, I am in general agreement with all of that um so i i want more star wars not less star wars and so like i said it's a good episode it's not a great episode i should say it's a fine episode but it's not a rewatcher but you did ask the, the question about the episodes and we got a little bit of clarity there and i didn't, don't think i told you this um there's going to be 16 episodes 16 it's going to run through august 13th Oh, okay. Oh, man. So it's every week until August 13th is the current release schedule. So we have 12 more of these in season one. So I guess our Fridays are pretty screwed. Oh, wait, we, you know, we have families and full-time jobs, so we don't go out and party anymore. Yeah, I'm not worried about my party schedule right now. And the fact that uh, even though nobody's talking about it, COVID is definitely still... A thing, but... Uh, is that some sort of disease? <laughs> yeah, it, it was made up by the government, so you, they'd force you to wear masks, so it's even harder to for facial recognition to uh, find you. 
because, you know, they want a challenge. All right, so the rating system that we have. So we rate all the episodes that we, we review um, by linking our enjoyment to the episode to the importance of a character in Star Wars. And so a really good episode would get a rating of an important character like a Han or a Leia um, or someone from the a movie we loved or someone who is integral to a plot that we loved. Um, and then a bad episode would get some character no one's ever heard of, barely on screen, or some background character in a book. And I really like using Lugubrious Moat for this, which is a flea <laughs> on Salacious Crumb. Um, sometimes we use the Death Sticks guy, um, Sleaze Bagano, because he has the best name. Um, and then I think either last week or the week before, you wanted to use um, Wesselia. This is the woman alien that Luke sells his out-of-date speeder to in um, the 1977 Star Wars movie. She's on screen for one second. Um, so, given those parameters, how would you rate today's episode i'm i'm gonna pull one out of the sequel trilogy uh, and i'm gonna get a, a rose because it just seems like there was potential and it was just kind of like oh and this and not uh, not blaming kelly tran at all it's the you know the the writing it was just kind of like huh you know this could have been this could have been better but it was just kind of like eh, it just it was there just to kind of slowly move things forward, but not not all that exciting. I guess it would be Rose from um, The Rise of Skywalker, not Rose from The Last Jedi. Where she was yeah, just I was going like, to say, I was going to say, in The Rise of Skywalker, she gets put in a box and not allowed to do anything. Yeah, where so she that's, was, that's where she was wasted. She was Finn's, Finn's love interest, and now she's just kind of like somebody in the Resistance who just has a few lines that they felt obligated to show that's kind of a, a, a bummer because I was hoping that maybe like like she and Finn would have a baby or something like that or just be more coupled together you know instead Finn jumps ship for the uh, ex-stormtrooper but uh, hey you know here nor there I'm not one to judge but uh, alright so what uh, what is your ranking? Since this is a filler episode which I think is fine from like a plot point of view I'm going to pull from the sequel trilogy as well and say that this episode is one or two of the Praetorian guards in the dual lightsaber battle because they're cool and they're there and how many there are doesn't much matter it's just sort of a cool fight and so that's sort of my definition of a filler so, I no okay it's you know it's um it's a free country but I would I thought the, I thought that fight was great. I thought I thought that was one of the most violent, you know, lightsaber combats like in, you know, live action Star Wars. I think it's great. It's probably it's probably my favorite moment where they look at each other and then they both have a lightsaber in their hands and they look at each other and then they immediately go back to back to fight everybody. I think it's great. I'm saying that you don't really know the difference between the Praetorian guards in that fight, and so if there were eight or nine of them. It wouldn't have made a big difference. Oh, yeah, That's I guess like if there's eight or nine of these filler episodes, it wouldn't make that big of a difference, except to make the fight a little bit longer. Yeah, and they're never seen again. Exactly. All right, do you want to do the outro? 
All right, outro going. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Nub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewok, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at noochbaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Da 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 da